0: Acts chapter 16. We are going to begin, and Acts chapter 15 and 16 is the second missionary journey. For those of you who have not been with us, maybe in a few weeks, uh, we have been going through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a book of action. It's the action of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers yielded to Him. And the first four books of your New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, John tell us of Jesus from four different angles. Matthew's perspective, and to the Jewish people primarily, Uh, Mark, he's a servant. Luke, he's man. John, he's God. And uh, those are great. Now, the book of Acts is a narrative telling us what happened for the uh, few days after Jesus goes back to heaven until the apostle Paul is in a rented home in Rome on his first imprisonment there. So that just uh, covers uh, several years there. When we come to Acts chapter chapter. 16. It's about A.D. 50, 52 in most scholars' opinion, and I don't know exactly about that. I just can read different people's opinion. I'm not really uh, spending my time trying to figure out the chronological thing on all of that stuff. However, uh, the, Lord, the, the Lord Jesus has now been back to heaven about 17, 18, 19 years, and so now the church has uh, grown in Jerusalem and in, in uh, Antioch and up in the Syria region, And now, we have finished one full missionary journey on the Apostle Paul, 1,400 miles total. And he goes with Barnabas, and he's sent out of the church of Antioch. They come back. They do uh, spend some time in Antioch teaching, confirming the people there, and tell them about all the things that God has done. They go down to Jerusalem. We learned that in chapter 15. Chapter 15, they had to straighten out a few things because there were Judaizers who were adding works to salvation. And boy, that's not what we can do. Uh, to be saved is nothing but what God does for us. And uh, it is faith in what Jesus did, plus nothing, minus nothing. But many of the Jewish Christians, uh, they were struggling to separate from, Judy, Jew, from the, uh, the Jewish traditions. And they insisted that if Gentiles got saved, they needed to do the same thing. And they went down to the church of Jerusalem and and ironed that out. And with the lordship of Jesus and the leadership of the church and the partnership of everybody together, they ironed it out and came down to just three things. Let's don't be an offense to God. And let's don't be an offense to one another, and let's don't be an offense to ourselves by practicing immorality. And kind of just shared with those things. They would take those three principles and take them to the Gentile churches, That then they would deliver that. We'll find that, and we read that in our passage just a few moments ago. I want to show you just real quick the map of the second missionary journey. If we can, we can direct ourselves there. And we see Jerusalem is where, the, is where they had the council there. And then they go up to Antioch. Antioch is up a little farther north than that. And Antioch is where it's about 300, 275 miles to 300 miles north of uh, Jerusalem. It's a Gentile church. And they have Jews and Gentiles, where mostly the Jerusalem church is Jewish in nature. Now they're up in Antioch, and that's where uh, Paul and Barnabas decided, let's go off again. There's a disagreement among the two, about John Mark, and they decided to go different ways. You see that little island, Cyprus Island, that's on the south uh, southwest part. That's where Barnabas and Mark would go back in, and they'd already that, they already covered that area one time. They would go back again, and Paul would take Silas with him, and they would make their way over to some of the other towns that they had been with and cities and regions they would go to. Let's continue, if we can, Dwight, on that right there. They go over to Tarsus, and that's a hometown for the Apostle Paul, so he probably saw some folks there he knows. And then on to Derby. And uh, that is where he had had shared the gospel and started churches in that area. Lystra is where he first met a guy named Timothy. We'll see him in our study today. Timothy was just a young man who had a godly mother whose name was Eunice and a godly grandmother named Lois. But his dad was a Greek and his dad looks like he possibly his dad may have passed away, but he uh, he was not Jewish. Uh, But his grandmother and mother were, by the way, if you are a single mom uh, and you're a godly lady, you have, you, you started studying great men of God. Many of them had godly mothers. And they didn't always have the fathers. I I could imagine uh, Timothy's mother may have been teaching him about Moses and Abraham and Isaac while his dad was talking about Plato and Aristotle and and, uh, some of these other Greek myths and things of that nature. But uh, the Lord allowed Timothy to be raised in that. He probably saw Paul being stoned and left for dead outside of that city. I would not be surprised if that young man was maybe 13, 14 years old, standing over the dead body of the Apostle Paul while he was covered with stones with his mom and grandmother crying because the preacher that gave them the gospel is now uh, passed away, but also probably saw him get up out of that, off those rocks and then make his de- way to the next time to Derby. But uh, So this is the second missionary journey, and that's where uh, Paul... Timothy joins them, and I think Dr. Luke is with them at this time. They go into Iconium and then go up there to, just to make a quick visit. And then they make their way over to the top part. They're thinking to go someplace else uh, to Bithynia, or they want to go south into Modern day Turkey or Asia, and then God lets them go to Troas. There is where Paul is going to get a vision from the Lord to tell him, Come over unto uh, Macedonia. There he's going to know, and that's why he crosses over there to to Napolis, and then, of course, to Philippi, and we're going to see uh, more of that as we go on throughout his second missionary journey. This is the longest journey he'll take. His first one, 1,400 miles. This one is double that, 2,800 miles total that he will spend over the next two to three years or so traveling, and, of course, not with the, uh, the ability to do so with a plane like I'll get to do this week, and uh, but uh, on foot and on ships and going places and things of that nature and uh, tent making much of the time as he goes. But let's pick, if we can, please, that's just a little illustration. Let's go to chapter 16, verse number 1, and let's see what the Bible says this morning. Then came he to Derby. Of course, now it is Silas and Paul, and it looks like to me, Dr. Luke has picked up with them. Now, Dr. Luke, he is the man who is chronicling all the things that we see in the book of Acts. He is the author, humanly speaking, of two books of the Bible, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. By By profession, he is a doctor. He's a physician. But he seems to, to hook his little wagon to Apostle Paul. He's an investigator. He is someone who asks a lot of questions. He wants to get the whole picture, and I, he's a real type, I think, if you look at the spiritual gifts found in Romans chapter 12, of a real teacher, somebody who, who wants to get the whole picture, put it in print, and uh, two of the longest books of our New Testament are the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And he's very wordy, very clear, and uh, he wants to make sure things are done. Now he's, been, he's being used by the Holy Spirit of God. It's not Dr. Luke writing that, but God allows their personalities to come through. Who is the author of the Bible? It's not a trick question. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. All Scripture is given by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this prophecy came not in old time of the will of man, but holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost. And they wrote that. But he did use 40 different human instruments, and Luke was one of them. And he's the one who I feel like is probably traveling with them. And I see that in the later part, whenever Paul gets the vision, he says that Paul got the vision and we, Went with them, And so it looks like to me that he's now, there's a foursome at least traveling. They will meet up with a, a couple, a beautiful couple in the Bible, Aquila and Priscilla, a great example of a married man and woman who worked in tandem and were used to God in the life of the Apostle Paul and in the Church of Rome eventually, and also helped, that a, man, helped a man named Apollos uh, get the gospel more clearly. We're looking at chapter 16, verse 1. So whenever they left, they came to Derby, and then they went to Lystra. That is where Timothy was, and that's where his mom and grandmother attended church there in that body of believers. And behold, a certain disciple was there whose name was Timotheus. The son of a certain woman, didn't give her name here, we'll give her name in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5, but uh, a certain woman, her name would be uh, Eunice, and her, her mother's name was Lois which was a Jewess and believed; he was a believer, but his father was a Greek. We're assuming that his dad did not know the Lord. He was not uh, maybe acceptable of the preaching and the teaching of the Apostle Paul on the first missionary journey, but everybody knew that his daddy was a Greek and his mama was a Jew. That's what we do know. Look at verse number 2, which was well reported. That means this young man had a great testimony had a good testimony, not only in his hometown of Lystra, but also in Iconium, that region. Uh, He definitely, the people who knew him, admired him as a young man. By the way, can young men be admired? Can young ladies be admired? Should they be admired? You might even hear about this later on. If you read the book of 1 Timothy, the Bible says that he tells Timothy, Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. He said, don't, just because you're young... Don't let people despise your youth, but you have to overcome immaturity by being a good example. Example in word, how you speak. In conversation, how you conduct yourself. In faith, what you believe and how you practice and obey the Bible. Faith is not just a, something, a fuzzy-wuzzy thing you feel in your heart. It really is played out in your actions, in your obedience. The reason we give to the Lord is because of faith. The reason you witness to someone is because of faith. The reason you get baptized after you're saved is because of faith. You may understand everything. You're just obeying the Lord, doing that. So be a good example in faith and in charity and how you love. And in spirit, what kind of attitudes you have. He said, I want you to have a good testimony. And this young man did. Even before that, he had a good testimony. And when, he, when Paul went back through that town, this is now maybe two, three, four years later, in between his trips and that going down to Jerusalem and back up to Antioch, whenever he comes back there, that little teenage boy is now a little taller, and uh, he's uh, there with his grandma, and he's, he speaks differently, and everybody who talks about it and I tell you, that kid's a good kid. That boy loves the Lord. That boy has a heart for God. When he got saved, when you hear that first time, man, that guy has just continued to grow. He's probably done discipleship. Lesson number 18, I'm just joking about that. He probably didn't do that one. But he probably told me, this this young man is very special. I mean, he's at church. He's faithful. He's not not, uh, just taking life however it comes. He really is being a good example. He's a good example. Not everybody, as a young person, is a good example. But I hope you are. And I hope that I will be that good example. But he said, this guy has a good report. Everybody who knows him will tell you, that guy loves Christ. Boy, if a man loved the Lord, the same is known of him. I love that verse in 1 Corinthians 8, verse number 3. He said, if any man love God, the same is known of him. And if you love God, you don't have to tell everybody you love him. Everybody will know it. They'll be able to look at you and be able to say, that guy loves the Lord. That girl is a godly girl. She loves Christ. That older lady, she loves the Lord. And boy, if you love God, it will be played out in your actions, your behaviors, your your attitudes, your love, your faith, your dispositions, all of those things. Well, so he's got a good testimony. Look at verse number three. And him... Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him? And he took and circumcised him because the Jews were in those quarters, and they knew all that his father was not Jewish, he was a Gentile. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees to keep that uh, were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. So, uh, just a couple things here. Timothy's a young man. His mom is a Jew. His dad's a Greek, and in, in circumcision, circumcision at that time was a is it was a, an act of separation that you are uh, you're with you're with the God of the Old Testament and you're Jewish in nature. Apostle Paul would have a uh, a mode of operation when he would go to a town. Here's what he said: He said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation to the." Jew first, and also to the Greek. If you read Apostle Paul's writing, you'll find his mode of operation, if there was a synagogue, if there was a gathering of Jews in a city, he would go to them first, and he would give them the gospel. Most of the time, many of them would reject it, and he would have to say, look, I I gotta take it to the Gentiles, but I wanna make sure you hear it first. And he knew that would be the case, and if there was a young man who would come to a synagogue, who was not, uh, had not had this act of separation, this, se- this circumcision, they would oftentimes be abhorred by the Jewish zealot. They would have a hard time with them. And Paul knew that Timothy was young, he would be looked down upon and he would be taking him with us. And they wouldn't listen to him if he was not circumcised. And so at the age of, at, at whatever age he was, an upper teenager, he was able to be circumcised. And now that was an act of separation for them to that. Now we find another guy named Titus. Titus had a, he was Greek as well. And when Paul suggested that Titus do it, Titus says, I'm not doing that. And he did not, he did not do it and was not necessarily, for whatever reason, did not accept that. And you can read that in the book of Galatians. However, it does teach us a lesson. I think uh, there are certain things that may not, it doesn't really matter to you and I, but might matter to others. You know, I, I think about this and sometimes our, our, our dress code and how we dress. And I think when we dress, we ought to dress with four things in mind, protection, Modesty, distinction, and testimony. I think when you dress yourself, young ladies, you ought to think, am I modest? Not according to what you think, but you ought to think, am I, am I, and boy, some folks, will. I can dress however want And you certainly can, but you can be an offense to somebody else. You can, you can hurt the testimony of your mom, your dad. You can hear the testimony of your husband. Men, I think the same way. Men, many men are, are not modest, and they're not careful in their appearance, and they're not appropriate in certain locations and places. I think we ought to be careful about that. Say, so, well, you know, it's my life. I can do, you can do whatever you want to do. Timothy didn't have to be circumcised, but he, you know, he said, you know what? I think I'll do that because I don't want to be offense to another person. And as they went out, we see that. God's given us three things. Don't be offense to God, don't be offense to others, and don't be offense to yourself. One of the main teachings of Scripture is there's no sense in taking the liberties that God has given you and I and using those as a a maliciousness to hurt somebody else. Many of us need to learn the, the beautiful testimony of taking the high road. Taking the high road. Well, you know, I can do whatever I want, and you can. You can be rebellious all the way till you go into the presence of the Lord, but I think you'll regret it. You'll think you'll regret it. There's some things that you can do, that you can do whatever you want to do, and it's your life, it's a free country. And God is very patient with all of us. But I think many of us need to say, I like what Apostle Paul says, you know, if I'm going to be offensive to someone, I, I, I'd rather not. If, if eating something that hurts somebody else, I, I don't want to do it. If it's going to hurt them, I don't want to do it. If they're, if they're, if they're a weaker brother or someone else sees that differently, I would rather. And, well, there's some good decisions to be made there. Occasionally I have thought about this in, in relation to uh, Romans chapter 14, the stop principle. Whenever I think about should I do something or not do something, number one, I could ask myself, would this be a potential stumbling block to somebody else? Is it something I can feel free to do, but it could hurt somebody else? Could it cause them to stumble? Well, then I don't want to do it. Could it hurt the testimony of Jesus? My mom, my dad, my wife, my kids, my church family, my Sunday school class. Could it be hurtful to the testimony? S, stumbling block. T, uh, could it hurt the testimony of someone else? Oh, is it something I could just live because other people think it's important? I may not think it's important but maybe someone else does and I can just honor them because we're not supposed to, he said, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then sometimes you just have to be fully persuaded in your own mind. Being persuaded that this, what I'm doing, is what God wants me to do. And it may be a little hurtful, but I'm just going to do it because I believe God has given me the liberty and permission and the direction to do it. Sometimes you just have to be fully persuaded. You can't please everybody all the time. But I do believe there's some wisdom in doing that. And Apostle Paul knew that if he took Timothy, it was going to hurt Timothy and it will hurt his future ministry if he did not take the high road in the situation. He'll tell you later, he said, look, circumcision is nothing. But if it means something to somebody else and we can do this, we'll just do it. So that we can have an opportunity to minister to people without offense. I think it's a good decision that many of us ought to decide. You know what? I'm on that one. I'm going to quit living the way I want to live and do what I want to do. And I I will consider that what I'm doing, you're not an island, Spanky. You You can do anything you want to do, but you don't just affect yourself. You affect other people. And I think all of us need to get a revival of that. And just say, you know what, it's not about what I want. But I think, what is best for God? What's best for the testimony of the Lord? Would it hurt another weaker brother or sister? Could it be an offense? How about the next generation? Well, I think sometimes our younger kids get get a little bit confused watching some of us take liberties that we shouldn't take. Speak in ways we shouldn't speak and doing things and going places and even sometimes wearing things we shouldn't wear. And we think, well, it doesn't matter. Oh, it does matter. You'll find that out, I think, when you stand before God in a few days. There's some things we ought to just take the higher road and do what God wants us to do and not to be a, what we post on our Facebook or Instagrams and things of any Well, that's, that's mine. I can do that. I can, you can do whatever you want to do, once again. It's free country. But some of us ought to say, you know, what would God want me to do? What can I do that not would be offensive to God, would be offensive to others, and would be helpful and edifying others? I think Paul gives us that example here. Real quickly, let's go to the next one, if we can, please. When they went, verse 4, to the other churches, they took those teachings that they learned from James, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, and those uh, three pretty much criteria or four of them that are mentioned there in the book of Acts. And he told them, and notice what happened. Verse 5, read it with me, would you please, everybody. Verse 5 of chapter 16, read it out loud. So were the churches and, hey, listen. When people's faith grows, you guess what happens? You want to tell somebody else about Jesus. That's really why we gather together in in some part. God knew we need to be together. We need to hear what God says. And faith cometh by, hearing by. And then we go out and we start talking about other people about Jesus. And other people get to hear the word of God. Then they get to come and get to know the same Savior that you and I worship and love. Listen, if you're not a soul winner, it's because your faith is weak. If you're not burdened for the people across the street or across the aisle or or you're not burdened for the person across the pump there at your gas station, you don't have any any, uh, inertia to give out a gospel track or to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, it's probably because our faith is not as strong as it needs to be. But when faith is increased, so are the opportunities to get the gospel out. I like our giving to missions because it's called faith promise. We we, we promise by faith. We don't know what's going to happen next year. I was talking to Brother Dwayne Jacobs, and he told me, Pastor, he said, it's unbelievable. I got the Lou Gehrig's disease, and I just expected my job was going to let me go right away. They haven't let me go yet. I haven't gone to the office since May, but they let me work from home and log on on my computer, and I've been fixing things. And, and they, may, they may not hire him next week, but they've just kept on kicking the can and continued to give. It. He said, Pastor, one of the things I was wondering with, with my wife is, can I, are we going to continue to be able to give to our faith promise? But God has given us what we need to do. Isn't that a beautiful testimony? Faith grows. Then we want to share the gospel with other people. We are interested in getting people the gospel around the corner and around the world. Look at verse number 6, if you would please. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and to the regions of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? What are they here? They're missionaries taking the gospel. And they thought, you know what, we're going to go here. Can we put the map back up, if you would, please, Dwight? Are we able to do that or Courtney? And you see there that when they were going north, he said, let's go south. Let's go down into Turkey, to Asia. We'll go down south here, and we'll just go back where we, where we came in that area. That would be Ephesus, and that would be the, uh, the seven churches, Philadelphia and, and uh, Laodicea, those places there. He said, let's just go south right there. But guess who said, no, that's not a good idea right now? The Holy Spirit. I don't know how he told them. I don't know if he told him just to the verbal. I don't know if he's just a spirit impression. Says no, uh, no. It, it makes logical sense to you know. Sometimes the Holy Spirit of God, and this is why we need to walk with the Holy Spirit because He has a different plan than we do. He's working on whose timing—our timing or God's timing. God's timing. Sometimes we have. You ever made a mistake because you did something too early? Why well, I, I bought a car one time like that. I won't tell you the story, but that became the most expensive car I ever ever bought. Not after I bought it. <laughs> Oh, man, it had to fix that thing. It was, it was a fix or repair daily, and it wasn't afford. It was every day. I'm telling you what. It was, I had to keep on fixing that thing, and every time I did, I just reminded myself, that's my car. Someone else is driving around the one God wanted me to have, but that's mine. I picked it. And it became an expensive car, a miserable situation. But here's what I found out is that God has timing. And the Holy Spirit is working in our lives help us. And he said, let's go south. And God says, no, I don't want you doing that. And so they kept on following the word of the Lord there. And they made their way to Troas. And while they made their way to Troas, if you would look at verse number 7, and our time is just about up, but I want to make a couple points and we'll be dismissed today. And after they were come to to Mysia, they uh, essayed to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. What does that mean? They said, well, you know, we're going to go north up to Bithynia. That's the little area over the Black Sea there. And he says, no, 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 you're not. We're going to go to Asia? No. We're going to go to Bithynia? No. And then they go to Troas. Look what the next thing says. And and they find in verse number eight, they go to Troas, verse number nine. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood by a man of Macedonia to cross the little waterway there. And he prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and do what? I wonder if that's the cry of the world. I wonder who is saying today, boy, I hope a pastor will start a church in my town. I wonder who's looking across a little river maybe in Papua New Guinea and wondering, I know that, that witch doctor is not the truth. I hope God sends somebody over here. I, don't, I know there's some little fellow in India, some little person in China, there's somebody in Hong Kong or somebody in Guatemala or Mexico or Panama that's saying, you know what, I know the truth is not where we're going. I hope God sends somebody to help us you imagine a little mother getting beat by a drunken dad? Some little kid getting hurt and all kinds of challenges, and they're probably saying, Lord, would you send someone to our family to help us? Discourage people. You know, that's why you want to be a soul winner. Because you could be an answer to somebody's prayer that's saying, would you help us? There's missionaries saying, would you help us? There's fields of the world that's saying, we don't have a missionary there yet, would you help us? Boy, it's interesting here. Paul got the vision. Look at the last verse, verse number 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately, what's the next word you have in your Bible? We. He got the vision, and we, I think Luke is probably included in that, endeavored to go to Macedonia. Paul woke up in the morning and said, Guys, the Lord's given me a thought to go over to Macedonia. I saw a man in my dream, and he says he needs some help. I don't know him, but I just know he's in Macedonia. I don't know if he knew by his clothing. I don't know if he knew by his accent. But the Lord's laid a heart, my heart to go across the ocean. We're in Troas. That's a, that's a port city. I can go across here and go help them in Macedonia. That's Philippi. That's Thessalonica. That's Berea. Those churches that became very used of God. And he said, let's go. And then the people, the other guys are following said, hey, if God gave you the dream, we're in. Because teamwork makes the dream work. Would you say that with me? Teamwork makes everybody. It's that partnership. It's the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the leadership that God gives us in the partnership of people saying, you know what, I'm all in. If God wants us to do this, then let's make sure we get it happen." There's a lot of wonderful things in this passage of Scripture, but the first thing that comes to my mind is the, is the thought of trials. He went back to the very same town where he was stoned and left for dead. But God had some gold in his trial. And that gold came in the person of Timotheus. When you're going through a difficult time, look for God's gold because there's some situations going there. And you're saying, I just don't think this is right. I don't know why I've got these problems. There's someone in the shadows that needs your attention that God's going to use. I think of trials. I think of testimony of a young man who would just do the right thing. And I don't care if you're young or old. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Be a good testimony. Don't let your mouth hurt the testimony of Christ. Don't let your spending habits hurt theness. Don't let your bill pain hurt the testimony of Christ. Don't let your attitude at work hurt the testimony of Christ. Have a good testimony to those who are around you. I would think also just the beautiful thought here is it just takes time sometimes to get the gospel. It takes people who are willing to help, and it takes teamwork. So trials, time, testimony, teamwork. We can maybe develop those later in your heart and life. I hope you'll think about it. I think God is very smart. And even though this was written almost 2,000 years ago, aren't you glad it's applicable to you and me today? Let's pray together.